Welcome to the podcast, People of the Book. I'm your host, Meryl Ain. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. We chat with authors and storytellers in thought-provoking and intimate interviews, all with a Jewish twist. On today's program, I'm delighted to welcome two guests, Ruth Rodkowitz and Rose Ross. Ruth is the author of two novels, Escaping the Whale and the prequel, The Whale Surfaces. She has published fiction, nonfiction, and poetry in literary journals and was a staff writer and member of the editorial board of the Women's Newspaper of Princeton for several years, where her feature articles garnered awards in journalism. She holds a BA and MA in English and has taught English on both the college and high school levels. She currently conducts book discussions for the Phoenix Holocaust Association. Rose Ross was the first child born in Neustadt, Germany in a displaced persons camp in 1946. Growing up in the Bronx, the only child of Holocaust survivors affected me deeply, filling up my mind and the very air I breathed, says Ross. Their story and the stories of other survivors and the second generation children with whom she grew up were the motivation for Lila, her first novel, which she wrote at 73. Rose, a former actress, is also the author of Tar Beach Memories, a screenplay about growing up in the Bronx. Ross is currently working on a stage play exploring the relationship with her mother set in the safety of movie theaters over 30 years. So welcome, Ruth and Rose. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you both here to discuss your poignant novels. Um, As an author who spent a great deal of time uh, researching the Holocaust survivors and the second generation for my novel, The Takeaway Men, I'm really interested to talk with you both about how you incorporated your firsthand experiences as children of survivors into your novels. To begin with, why don't each of you give us a brief synopsis of your books for those who haven't read them? So so let's start with Ruth. Okay, my first novel that came out was Escaping the Whale. And it the, the protagonist is a 28-year-old uh, Jewish woman who is the child of survivors. And she's very much affected by that experience and by her parents' experiences. She's a guidance counselor at a large urban high school in New York. And um, her specialty seems to be the pregnant students because she's the only um, woman in the department. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so she's dealing with a lot of, you know, teenage issues. And her, her main problem is fear. She inherited terrible fear from her parents that bad things are always going to happen. And the setting is 1980, which, as you may recall, is when the Iran hostage crisis was taking place. And her reaction to this current event 
sort of mirrors her experience as a 2G, as a child of survivors. She sees it as an example of how horrible people can be, how low they can sink, how we never know what's going to happen, uh, being so scared. And she eventually goes through some uh, traumatic events and realizes she has to get away. And in getting away, she has to come to terms with her problems and her fears. The prequel I wrote because when I started giving talks about that book, the first book, people asked me about my protagonist's background and childhood. And a few people said, why don't you write a prequel? So I was stuck at home during COVID anyway. And I wrote a novella, it's very short, a prequel where she starts off at age 11 and ends up at age 22. And uh, it shows how her upbringing just implanted the idea of fear and the unknown in her. With all the best intentions, her family really made her into someone who felt she didn't fit in and couldn't be normal. And that's really her goal is to try to be normal, how to be normal. And uh, I really did draw on my own experience as a child of survivors, but that's another subject yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get we'll get to them and i i thought uh, both the the novel and the prequel um uh, were were very well, well done and um i especially like the fact um as a former school person as a teacher and administrator i really um appreciated um uh, the school the school setting and and i thought you know, I enjoyed it very much. So Rose, um, I also enjoyed your book uh, very much. Um, would you give us a brief summary of Lila? Well, Lila came out of um, a story that again, I, I had grown up with. I, when I wrote my screenplay, Tar Beach Memories, it included 14 characters and it had everyone. And then when I went to workshop it, I realized there was a deeper story and the story was about Lila. Um, it's about the experiences, complexities of coming of age, complicated by parents forever scarred by the Holocaust. It is a story that can relate to almost, as I've discovered since publishing, to many people across generations about coming of age. What made this different in terms of anything I had done before was that I had a problem in, in how to tell the story. And I will give credit to Gone Girl, Gillian uh, <laughs> Flynn, uh, because she did it in, in, you know, in, in first person. Mm -hmm. And so this story is told through the eyes of three teenagers and it takes place uh, during one year, 1959 to 60. And it each comes from a family that are survivors. Uh, the boy, Michael, of course, uh, his father is German and his mother is Jewish. So it's a bit different background there. But um, that's what it's about. It's, it's coming of age. It is a novel that has the background of Holocaust, but to me personally, and the reactions, it really is about coming of age. Yeah, I want to um, I want to ask you a follow up question. I'm going to um, and then I'm going to ask Ruth um, the same question. Um, Lila uh, was obviously very 
troubled. Um, Sarah seemed to be, for example, very uh, better adjusted um, than than Lila. Um, do you think that all children of survivors are touched in some way by their parents' parents' experiences, whether they are aware of them or not? Um, uh, and why did you want to portray these different uh, reactions to common experiences? Well, because it's it's something, you know, they say you write about what you know. Mm -hmm. and, and this is something I knew about. It is, you know, loosely based on experiences that I had growing up. Uh, Lila and I were two characters that were very similar to myself and the actual Lila. You know, mm -hmm. I was the first, she was the second. We each had parents that were survivors, but our family home life was very different. All the children that I grew up with, of which were not that many, uh, just happened to be coincidentally only children. Mm. So we never really talked to each other. Uh -huh. um, through the years, I've met other children of survivors and I find that everyone does have a different experience. Uh, Ruth had once asked a question in her blog about the effect of trauma. I don't know, I can't say that I was traumatized. I just, it's part of my life, it's made me who I am. Um, okay. so, um, so, so Ruth, um, I, I'd say the parallel would be that Marsha's siblings uh, in, in your book, Elliot and Rochelle uh, yeah. appear, at least on the outside, um, to be, uh, better better adjusted um than than she is um so why what do you make of the different reactions and um why did you want to portray these different reactions to their shared experiences well i think many factors are involved in how people react to their upbringing First of all, there's your placement in the family, you know, the first child, second, third. Mm -hmm. And I think just your nature, some people by nature are much more sensitive. Mm -hmm. And Marsha, my main character was extremely sensitive. And what I found very interesting, and, and mine also I think is a coming of age, even though in, in Escaping the Whale, she's already quote an adult. She mm -hmm. hasn't really grown up yet. She Correct. hasn't separated mm -hmm. herself from her family and she has to develop the motivation to do that. I've been amazed at uh, reactions from readers who are not Jewish, who are not um, you know, uh, involved in anything relating to the Holocaust, but many immigrant, uh, children of immigrant families, I've heard from Chinese readers, from Indian, um, people who, who relate to the immigrant experience, uh, experience of your parents and your family having certain expectations of you while you are trying to grow up in an American culture. And I did not expect that. I found that very interesting that other groups and you know American groups too just, just reacted to the idea of what is going on in these people who have so much trouble dealing with the world, so to speak, even though they may pretend everything's fine as my character does. She puts on a great act, an outside act, but mental illness is creeping up on her and she keeps trying desperately to hide it until she can't. Uh, but yes, some people can adjust better than others. They just don't have 
that sensitivity that some people I think are just born with. Right. So, you know, as both of you are children of Holocaust survivors, um, and obviously you're, you know, basing some of this on, on your experience and on your observation, uh, I'm wondering why um, both of you chose to write your stories as fiction rather than nonfiction. Rose, you want to uh, tell us? Uh, well, because it gave me the freedom to do, <laughs> to write what I wanted to say. You know, someone once asked me a question in an interview, if your mother were alive today, what would she think about your book? And I said that my mother would be incredibly proud that I had written a, a novel and published it, but right. she would not have been happy that I revealed so much. Right. And I knew that I was never comfortable in doing a, a tell-all story. There were right. too many people involved. There was too much sadness. And I thought that for me to write this story, which I wanted to for so long, I needed to fictionalize it. I mean, that's why, you know, Michael had nothing to do with any of the background. He was someone I needed as a buffer. Mm -hmm. And then in writing about him and his homosexuality at a time that wasn't really accepted and with a father who, you know, that was not something you could live with. Um, that made it exciting. So I needed this book to be something that I wanted to go to every day. And in doing it as fiction, I could. Doing it as uh, a memoir, no, because I was also afraid, as Ruth has said, it would sound like too many others. Okay. Um, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ruth? You want to answer that question? Yes. Um, I love fiction. I think fiction is an amazing tool for truth. I don't personally care for memoirs, even though they serve a purpose, for, especially for Holocaust uh, memories, to teach the world what really happened. It's a record. However, I find personally that most memoirs are, are not well written, the ones I've tried to read. And it reminds me a lot of when I was teaching in high school and kids are writing some personal experience and they don't differentiate between what's significant and what's not. It just becomes a record of every single thing they did and thought. Uh, I find the memoirists don't have the distance to truly be objective and judge their subject matter. If it's apparent that they adored, they're not going to delve into flaws in their character. They're going to put them on a pedestal. So I feel that memoir was just not my medium. And in addition, my sister and a cousin had already interviewed both my parents and uncle, and they had already written up a family, the family story. So that was done already. And in my fiction, I could, as Rose mentioned, I could embellish the story. I could change it. I could make things more extreme than, than I personally experienced them. So I had that use of my imagination and I'm keeping, a, I'm running a blog now on my website and the last couple of entries, uh, the last 18 entries have been interviews with various children of survivors. Mm -hmm. And it's been fascinating for me to see the differences in their experiences and their reactions. 
And the, in that case, it's truth. So I find the balance between, but, uh, but the balance between their truth and my fiction, I think shows the difference between what's significant and, and what's not. Yeah, well, as an educator, I'd like to ask you, do you think it's easier to teach about the Holocaust through fiction than nonfiction? And if so, why? Well, I never taught it to, to teenagers uh, or to young. You know, when I was teaching, I was not teaching that. That's right. a very good question. I think either one would work, but I would really be very strict about what I was looking for in the memoir. I would have to believe it was very well written. So I think either one could work. Maybe for teenagers, a memoir would be better because they wouldn't question it the way they might question whether something could have happened in fiction. Well, I don't I, know. I wasn't really thinking about memoir. I was thinking about, I mean, I, I am a former history teacher. So I was thinking um, about using literature versus, yeah. you know, textbooks. And, and, and I happen to think that um, you, you know, it's got to be well-researched and it has to be meticulously researched. But if it is, yeah. I think that uh, students can get more, more of a flavor than just reading the facts or hearing the facts. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I, I think especially in, in the young adult fiction, um, they need that. I think they get more out of that than something that is just facts. And I think in some memoirs, um, and I give people that can do it a lot of credit, it is a lot of facts. You, you have to have that in there. And it's not, it doesn't take you to that private place. If you read it as fiction, it takes you to a private place. And I think it's also where a young person can identify with other things in the book, regardless whether it is a Holocaust background or not. I agree completely, so totally. It's a, it's, uh, I've, I, yeah, textbooks are sleep inducing. As I remember, yeah. I used to find my kids asleep mm -hmm. with their head on a textbook. Um, so I think, yes, I think there's feeling and there's emotion in, in a novel and it makes it a more emotional and empathetic experience for the reader. Whereas a textbook is just homework, you know, that they have to get through. So I totally agree with that. And then there's always the rights to a movie. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. I mean, well. everything, everything I do is always, I write visually actually because film is like my forte. If I had to do it all over again, I would be a director. I wow. see everything, you know, as one shot leading into another. Hmm. And I think you can do that in, in a novel, yeah. in fiction. So do you, do you think um, your book might be a movie one well, day? Well, my son-in-law who has dabbled and who has, has actually written a screenplay has been working on, on a screenplay for Lila. Great. Well, we'll definitely um, keep us posted on that. Oh, I will. <laughs> uh, so I let, let me ask both of you, um, do you think that children of survivors have uh, a special responsibility to tell the story of the Holocaust? Well, 
I think they, I think most of the ones I have met are driven to do it. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are a few that are in denial, but I think, yes, I think there is a certain responsibility to keep the, uh, the story alive and prevent Holocaust denial. I do think that, yes. I'll take it even one step further. I have children uh, that are Korean. My children were both adopted. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that my mother, more so than anyone I knew, from the very beginning, as long as I can remember, always told me the Holocaust had taught her is that you never, ever, ever judge anyone mm-hmm. based on their backgrounds, their color, whatever. You have a, a, a beef with someone, it's based on a one-to-one. I grew up thinking and always have, and then in having Korean children, that what happened in the Holocaust, especially in today, is so much more important than it even was then because it reaches everyone. Right. And um, so it is a responsibility. I personally have not done that much in that, but I, cause I still find people that, you know, one of my first writing classes, I wrote a piece and he looked at me and he was someone my age and he said, you know, I'm really tired of hearing it. And who wants to know? I mean, it's, it's done. And the facilitator, God bless her, turned around and said, well, if you don't want to listen, then you can leave. Uh, so, My goodness. You know, um, but there are people that still do that. But I think because of the way our culture has evolved, the Holocaust is even more important yes. to everyone. So, yeah. Yes. As, you know, as I'm sure you know, Holocaust novels are the number one best-selling category on Amazon. Our, our books are post-Holocaust taking place after World War II, but of course they draw on the Holocaust. Why do you think Holocaust novels per se are so popular? Well, I'm surprised at that. I I did not know that. Um, I, well, I, I would think, I don't know, this might sound silly, but in many ways it's a piece of history that's become romantic in some ways. Uh, there were many different stories, you know, in terms of the relationships. Uh, it's equivalent to all of a sudden now there are stories about the Dust Bowl. You know, it's gotten very, very popular. And people really, younger people don't know. They don't know about it. I mean, since I wrote my book, and again, you know, to uh, paraphrase uh, Ruth, I mean, there were people that had no idea you know, in their 50s and 60s about the Holocaust, their lives just never took them there. Now they want to know. Yeah. Yeah, there was a study done um, by the claims conference. I mean, Gen Z um, was very uh, ignorant of the Holocaust. And Hmm. um, so it it is, and actually only uh, 17 states uh, require um, Holocaust education. Um, What do you think is the responsibility of authors who write about the Holocaust? Do do they have more of a responsibility than other writers of historical fiction? And what's the danger of inaccuracies in Holocaust novels? Because unfortunately, um, we've all seen uh, inaccurate inaccuracies in 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 novels and and movies and I was 
wondered if you wanted to address that. Hmm. Well, I, 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 I'll be brief about it. I think there's always someone to say you're wrong. I think there's always someone that looks to find something that isn't correct so that they could prove to themselves that it, it didn't happen. Um, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, as far as being accurate, it's, you know, history changes and, and, and the histories and the memories of the people that write about it, uh, which is one of the dangers in memoirs is that those memories change. Um, that's, that's true. You know, my mother, when she, when I finally got to taper, when she was willing to speak, I actually found a book about a mother and daughter that survived the camps. And it was a lot of the information my mother gave me, but the dates were totally wrong. So mm -hmm. I called up my godmother and I said, who had met my mother in, uh, in uh, the DP camp. And I said, you know, I think I have a problem. This is when I was writing, I was going to do a memoir. I said, you know, the dates that mom gave me are wrong. You know, her memory may not be right. And my godmother said to me, if she's a survivor, it's her memory. And whatever it is, it's right. Mm. That's, that's interesting. Because that's it belongs to her. That's interesting. Because I, so I, I, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about um, your writing process. You know, how long did it take you to write it? And also, um, did you do research, you know, above and beyond um, your, your family memories, uh, Ruth? Yes, well, I researched the period uh, around the Iran hostage crisis mm -hmm. because all the events I mentioned that my characters hear on the news and see on television, they all happened. So I went through, you know, uh, newspaper archives at the library for hours, for days, for weeks. Mm -hmm. I wanted that to be accurate because actually I remember that period very clearly. And my younger readers have said they never heard of it. They didn't know about the Iran hostage crisis. Wow, wow. Which is interesting. So I'm not surprised that, and I've had adult readers, well-educated, you know, advanced degrees that didn't know much about the Holocaust. They knew it happened, but they didn't know anything about it. They were never, you know, raised with any knowledge of it or, or discussed it with anyone. So, um, I think I forgot your original question. <laughs> uh, I think there is yes. I was trying to be as accurate as possible did with you, that did, period did you of time. Do any other research besides, um, you know, bes besides uh, recapturing your your family memories? You said you you yes. The nineteen eighty period. Uh, what movie? <clears throat> what movies they were showing then? What else was going on in the country at the time? Mm -hmm. all that and how what high schools were how high schools were dealing with certain issues i researched all that so yes the um holocaust experience itself i really didn't have to research because it's a, it's a background situation in my book it's yeah. not right. about right. the holocaust itself it's more um the background story of her family but I think what's interesting when you were discussing before why there were so many Holocaust books, I think, because remember the Holocaust went on for many, many years in many, many countries. So books are coming out now that took place outside of Germany, let's say. 
books in Russia, in Italy, things that people didn't realize happened in these other countries and how it affected them. And I find that very interesting. And I think that's part of the reason books keep coming out about it because more facts are coming out about what people in different parts of the world went through during this period. Uh, absolutely. And, and I just want to clarify it. Holocaust novels, not post-Holocaust novels okay. are the number one best-selling category. Yes. There, there, you know, there are more than there used to be, but there's not anywhere uh, near the, the number uh, that there are of Holocaust novels. Yeah. Um, you both uh, write about inherited trauma. You mentioned that before. I was just wondering, um, Rose, was there a message that you wanted uh, to convey to readers? Um, were there questions that you wanted to raise in their minds about inherited trauma? Uh, I, well, you know, again, I don't consider myself to, uh, to be a victim of trauma. Um, you know, um, I, I just see it as part of life. I, I think that um, this is, you know, this was my background. These were my parents. Um, I, at some point, I think growing up as an only child and having the secrecy and the fears and the angst, you know, were very, very difficult. And, you know, people would see me and that was part of my acting experience. I've always been able to convey an air of extreme self-confidence, but I wasn't too different from Marsha. Um, I, I never felt the way people saw me. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, I am very thankful for who my parents were uh, and where they brought me. I, you know, in my fifties, I really started to feel very comfortable with who I was and realized that it was part of my background. It made me different. I do think I see things differently. I think I was always different than my peers, but as I got older, I was more able to express it. And that's why I started writing. I don't see it as a trauma. I know this might sound odd, but in many ways, it was a gift. Um, yeah, well, I, I, you know, I think we throw around the word trauma. I, yes, I, yeah. I think, but how, how do you see it as a gift? Because I, the way I find that I deal with people and the way I deal with people's expectations of me and my expectations of other people. I, I, I work very hard uh, at trying to be positive, mm -hmm. uh, being, you know, these are simple things because it's not so simple for other people, being kind. Uh, oh, my okay. mother, you know, once said to me that when she was young, uh, she was so bitter and she was so angry. Now, of course, up until she died, that still stayed with her, but it made her become a better person in the mm -hmm. way she dealt with other people in the world around her. And I think about other people a lot. I think about the way they feel. I think about them first. Uh, that's not to say that I don't have moments of extreme selfishness 
you know, and there's a bit of me, 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 but I really do think I have found their experience just made me a better person. Wow, that's that that's interesting. Um, Ruth? Yeah, trauma is um, a strong word. That's true. Uh, I have looked at the research into inherited trauma. There are studies, there are, you know, um, eugenics, there are tests, there are various um, research projects going on that have concluded that at times there are actual changes to the DNA in the offspring of the traumatized person. So I think it exists, but I think what happens is that we are affected in some way by the way we were raised and by our parents' experiences. Any kind of trauma. I was on a uh, podcast run by a woman who had experienced a sexual assault when she was mm -hmm. younger and she was felt traumatized and right. she felt that if she ever had children, it would somehow pass on. So any kind of humongous negative experience is going to affect you and may possibly your children, depending on the personalities involved. I think it's interesting that you mentioned your mother. My mother passed away very recently. And at her funeral, I spoke about how she always said to us, you cannot blame the people who during the Holocaust stood by and didn't help and didn't do anything. You do not know how you would react in that situation. And she made a big point of that. Wow. And wow. Yeah, I think that showed <laughs> quite a lot about the kind of person she was and how she was raising us. She also always emphasized the good. There were people, non-Jews, who helped her along her way right. of escaping the Nazis and helped my father separately. So she tended to see the good and gloss over the bad. And I think maybe that's why she lived till 98. Um, but I think that that helped her deal with life and be happy. And I'm hoping that's been passed on to me. I don't know for sure yet. Yeah. But, um, I think also, I think that Ruth hit on it too. It, and sometimes um, when you speak to, uh, I had gone to when we first moved to Florida, um, an organization that I will not name. And um, there were, you know, second generation, I thought I might get involved. And I was really appalled because it really was so negative and about how traumatic everything was for them. And I, I understand that happens. I mean, Lila is that character. You know, that happened to her because her parents were who they were. But there isn't enough told about the positivity, you know, about the positive things that did happen. And those were those Germans that did help, you know, that did do something. Um, we don't hear enough of that. And I think it's important to know uh, the, the problem is there weren't enough people. Yeah I, think, yeah, I think that's really, it's interesting. And, you know, you often wonder how some people came out of the experience, um, you know, not not believing in, in God and not believing in religion. And yet there were other people who who um, remained very pious through the whole thing. So yes. um, people are people are are, are very different. Um, so. I'd like to, um, we're coming to the end of our time, I'd like to ask each of you, uh, what are you working on now, if anything? <laughs> well, 
Ruth, you want to go? Uh, I am oh, working. Okay. Oh, I'm ahead. sorry. I'm working on another novel. I'm actually working on two of them, and I have to decide which one to focus on now. And I don't know if the Holocaust will even be a part of it. Mm-hmm. It's about young women who have to grow up and learn to be who they are and listen to their own hearts, because that's my my theme, my issue. And uh, maybe I'll put the Holocaust somewhere in the background. What's interesting when you mention how the reaction, some became very pious, some turned away from religion. I have met people who's, who found out that their parents were Jewish on their deathbeds or even right. after, right. that they were denied that they were Jewish even when they came to the United States, which is partly fear that they didn't trust you mean everyone says the United States is better, but how do we know, you know, that kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. And it was very, it was an interesting experience to talk to people like that um, who don't resent even not knowing. They just find it like interesting that, oh, gee, I'm Jewish. So I think that's another reaction. And I might put that into a book. But yes, I'm dealing with two other books now about women in their maybe early 30s or 40s that are trying to figure out life. Yeah, well, interesting. In my sequel to The Takeaway Men, um, there there is such a character um, whose um, mother tells him on her deathbed that um, Mm. he was actually Jewish. So um, yeah, I think that's, I think that I find that fascinating. How, yes. about, how about you, Rose? What are you working well, on? Well, my uh, play is about my mother and myself at the movies. We had a movie date starting at age eight once a week, and mm-hmm. I would see films like uh, Man with a Golden Arm with Frank Sinatra, which was about a musician that turned an addict. I got to see <laughs> musicals. She took me everywhere, and um, it actually was the only place where she would talk to me about herself. I never really needed to know about what happened during the war and in the camps because I always got that information from Friday night card games. My fascination was as to who my mother was before the war. Did she smile? Did she dance? Did she have boyfriends? Did she love her mother, hate her mother? That kind of thing. And that's what the experience at the movie theaters are. But interestingly enough, I started out writing it one way and now um, actually with my son-in-law who is also a director uh, it's actually going to be a play with more humor than sadness and um, I'm very excited I just made a a big change in the play and then I'm cleaning up uh, some memoir pieces that I had on my parents which I will probably turn into a series of vignettes but it's the play that I'm really excited about. Fascinating that they, they yeah. I can't wait to read both of your books and see your plays. Um, so I this is really the first time that um, I've had two guests on this show, and I think it's worked out very well. Uh, how, would is there a question that you would like to ask each other? Um, I don't know. Ruth and I have actually you know, talked and uh, I'm a great fan of hers. I love her blog and I'm comfortable enough. And uh, I think we've emailed. I I had an experience a few months ago that I was really uh, a little uptight about and Ruth was kind enough to respond and we talked about it. And so um, 
Yeah, I'll call her anytime I have something to think about a question. Ashley, I have a question for you. Lila's parents fascinated me. Uh, the mother was not Jewish, correct? No. Okay, and the reason they got married and you know that whole past yeah. and their relationship was so awful <laughs> and it led was, to yeah. yeah led to her father's relationship with her, which was fascinating. What was that based? I'm curious on anyone you knew. Yeah, well, the thing is, nobody in the neighborhood actually ever knew. Uh, Lila's father was uh, several years younger than uh, the mother. Okay. And, um, and she was, you know, every bit as unattractive as he was handsome. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a difficult relationship as far as the, was there a sexual, uh, did something happen between them? No one really knows. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the actual Lila has become somewhat of an urban legend as I've discovered with the writing of my novel. Really? Wow. Oh yeah, I've reconnected with several girls from the Bronx, two men, and they all have different theories as to how Lila died. Wow. Uh, some of them really awful. Uh, no one really knows. All I know is that they were together. They walked hand in hand and the mother walked in the background. Wow. Wow. Um, Lila was extremely beautiful. Father was handsome. What really went on in that household, I do not know. And I don't think anyone did. And if my mother did, she never told me. Wow. Okay, so, so last question. Uh, is there anything else either of you would like to add? Um, well, one, uh, thank you very much. Oh, and, thank and you. Thank you, Ruth. I found this uh, an amazing experience, but I have to say that the best part of this experience has been uh, my granddaughter. Oh. And um, again, uh, we, we did a conversation, it's on YouTube, Lila, a conversation between generations. And she just turned 24. And her reaction to the book was that, Nana, you know, this is also me. You know, she said, coming of age, this is like the things that I go through. And she has now given my book to all of her friends. So we Great. come up to Vermont for the summer and we've actually, every summer we sit and we talk about Lila and we talk about them. So. Great. That's beautiful. It's, uh, it's been good. Good. Wow. Ruth, anything? Yeah, my message is that because I deal with mental illness in, um, in my book. My main character starts off seemingly pretty much all right, but begins to decline mentally, pushed by her desire to hide what she's going through. And I think I'm trying to show, at that time in 1980, there was quite a stigma attached to that. Uh, I hope it's lifting now, I think it is but I'm trying to show that there should not be a stigma and people should get help if they feel, you know, they're having obsessive thoughts or, or suicidal thoughts or frightening uh, imaginings. I think people should not be ashamed of that or scared of that. They should come forward and get help. That's really another one of my messages. 
That's, that's a great message. So thanks so much for joining us today, Ruth Rotkowitz and Rose Ross. I also want to thank our executive producer, Pam Stack. People of the Book is a copyrighted presentation of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Please visit us and like our Facebook page, People of the Book. I'm your host, Marilyn, the author of The Takeaway Men. The sequel, Shadows We Carry, will be published in April 2023. For more information about my books and writing, visit me at marilane.com. Until next time, please join us on Facebook at Jews Love to Read and Read a Good Book. <laughs>